AEW Collision, NXT's Great American Bash, and the Cody Rhodes documentary. We cover it all today on The Faction. What's going on, family? My name's Gerard Bonner. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're in the midst, or at least at the start, of a really great week. We had a very full weekend in the world of pro wrestling. Obviously, we will get to all of that, but I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has been so kind, so considerate in following us, continuing to rock with us here at The Faction as we continue to ramp up content for you guys. From our videos to podcasts, there's all sorts of great content for you to consume, and I hope that you are enjoying it. If you're brand new to us, welcome aboard. Remember, you can follow us on the socials at The Faction Show, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those spaces. You can check us out. And of course, you can subscribe to our podcast in all of the places that you check out our podcast. If you are a regular here as part of The Faction Nation, I appreciate you so much. Let me know you're listening. Let me know you're rocking with us as today is an absolutely great day. So as you've heard, we have plenty that we're going to be covering here today. I want to start with AEW. AEW is such an interesting and yet cool place. And I hope that we're all kind of in that space where if you're not watching everything, you at least have a brand of pro wrestling that you're really into. AEW has done a really good thing, I think, with their collision show. So let me just say this. I know that certainly with the announcement of collision coming on Saturdays, that it caused a lot of people to go, how in the world are they going to do this? Because Saturday nights are not wrestling nights. They're football nights. They're boxing nights, all of those kinds of things. And while we wait for the ratings for collision, I want to say this. AEW collision is an amazing show. I would argue that right now it's the top show in the AEW brands. Like seriously, it's better than Dynamite. It's better than Rampage. There's just a special thing that's happening with Collision. And they have been hitting it out of the park every single week. So this weekend on Collision, things were headlined by the main event being a world tag team title match as FTR took on MJF and Adam Cole. But it started with an insane ladder match between Andrade El Idolo and Buddy Matthews as they were battling for the mask of Andrade. Now, this was a really big deal. It's the first ladder match to be on Collision. And these guys put it on. It was amazing. And if you've not watched, go back and watch Collision because I think Collision really crushed it. What I really want to talk about are two things that I'm thinking of. First, let's start with the obvious, that being the world tag team title match, Adam Cole, MJF versus FTR. I don't know that any of us predicted that MJF and Adam Cole would be a thing, that we would love this team so much. It's being called the summer bromance of pro wrestling. And so 
honestly, going into it, there were a couple of ways this could have gone. This could have gone where MJF and Adam Cole actually won the tag titles, making MJF a double champion, or it could go with them losing. I actually thought FTR would win this match, but with that said, I thought it would mean the imminent breakup of MJF and Adam Cole, and certainly while they've been teasing at it for the last week or so, that's not what happened. In fact, they embraced, they worked together. You've got to think that it's a matter of time before MJF turns on Adam Cole. And you can even make the argument that we might see MJF versus Adam Cole as the main event of All In or maybe All Out, though I have my theories on what All Out can look like. In terms of All In, I do think we'll end up with MJF versus Adam Cole. The road to get there should be very interesting. After all, Seeing that they've not won the World Tag Team titles, what is there left for MJF and Adam Cole to do? Is it to, again, fight for the Tag Team titles or nah? I don't know. Let me know what your thoughts are on MJF and Adam Cole as a tag team. Do you like what they're presenting and what's left for them to accomplish? Some other takeaways from Collision, and this is a big one. We finally found out what's inside the bag of CM Punk. And inside the bag is the World Heavyweight Championship, which he has now put an X across. He's saying that Collision needs its own world title. Now it's being dubbed the Real World Championship. And it's going to all of a sudden be defended next week against Ricky Starks. So this leads to kind of my next issue relative to AEW. And that is there is not enough time being taken to tell the stories in AEW. There just aren't. Now, granted, I think Ricky Starks, CM Punk for this real world title makes all the sense in the world. In fact, I even suggested it this past week on Wrestle Extra. Where the problem comes in is all of a sudden it's next week. That seems so random. That seems so rushed. And there's another rushed moment that happens as well, which we'll talk about in a second. And I think the overarching thought here is, why are we putting this match on collision when this is a pay-per-view worthy match? I don't know, but it's happening. So we've got Ricky Starks, CM Punk for the world title next week. And as much as I want to see Ricky Starks win this world title, I think CM Punk will likely retain. But it'd be the right move for Ricky Starks to win it. Now, this leads to the third takeaway coming from AEW Collision. And that was a match that kind of came out of the blue. Mercedes Martinez against Kiera Hogan. Both of them making their Collision debut. We've not seen Mercedes Martinez in months. I mean months. I'm really trying to remember the last time we saw her. And I feel like it was the night she lost the Ring of Honor Women's World title to Athena. Kiera Hogan, we have seen her working in Ring of Honor as of late, and so this match was pretty cool, nice to see, kind of out of the blue, but even more out of the blue is all of a sudden Mercedes Martinez's interest in the TBS championship, which, oh, by the way, that'll happen on Dynamite, the 200th episode of Dynamite, this Wednesday, yeah, I really want in my crystal ball for AEW to just be willing to take some time to tell the stories, give us some lead up into certain matches, give us buy-in, give us reasons. 
The idea that Mercedes Martinez has not been on AEW television or Ring of Honor television pretty much all year, and then she shows up and gets a title shot because she attacked Kiara Hogan doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So that's just kind of my wish. I don't know why things are so rushed in AEW, considering we've got two major events that we're gearing up for. One is at the end of August. The other is literally that week at the top of September in Chicago. Big, big times. I I don't know. This just gets very, very interesting. So we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled on what's going on with AEW Collision. But that's interesting. So with that said, I've got another interesting story that I want to make sure I share with you guys. And that's this. You may not be aware, but there are two major biopics coming to movie theaters near you very, very soon. One of them involves women's wrestling, as it is the story of Mildred Burke. That movie is in the process of being made. Interestingly enough, Charlotte Flair and Liv Morgan were initially part of that movie. They've been pulled from that movie and added to that movie is Camille Brickhouse, the current NWA Women's World Champion, and Tony Storm, the current AEW Women's World Champion. Both of them will be a part of that movie. The part of Mildred Burke is being played by Emily Bett Rickards. June Byers will be played by Camille Brickhouse. That part was originally given to Charlotte Flair. And then the part of Clara Mortensen, which was originally given to Liv Morgan, will now go to Tony Storm. The name of the movie is called Queen of the Ring. Also, we know that Trinity Fought 2 will have a role in this film as well playing the wrestler Ethel Johnson. We don't have a release date for this movie as of yet, but this is going to be a big deal, crossing a lot of interesting forbidden door lines as women's wrestling will be honored in a significant way. The other major biopic that's coming to theaters near you is a movie called The Iron Claw. It is set to chronicle the life of one of the most popular families in all of pro wrestling, that being the Von Erich family. This movie movie stars Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White. The movie is set to premiere on December 22nd, so that's right around Christmas, and obviously we'll be hearing a lot more about that. Now, Zac Efron plays Kevin Von Erich, while Jeremy Allen White plays his brother, Carrie Von Erich. Harris Dickinson plays David Von Erich. Holt McCallany plays Fritz Von Erich, while Maura Tierney plays the family's patriarch, Doris and Lily James plays Kevin's wife, Pam. So this is going to be pretty exciting to see the story of the Von Erics. It's called The Iron Claw. It's coming to movie theaters on December the 22nd. So mark that date on your calendar. We'll obviously be looking for trailers and all sorts of other things connected to this. And that's going to be a busy week for the movies because, again, on the 25th, you got the color purple dropping. So a great, great time. But again, you talk about the power of where pro wrestling is right now, that we have two major biopics hitting the theaters. That's going to be a great, great time. So mark the date on your calendar, December the 22nd. You'll want to make sure that you are catching the premiere of this in the movies. Let it be a number one movie. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk all about NXT's Great American Bash and the new Cody Rhodes documentary titled Becoming Cody Rhodes. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. 
You're now listening to The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. They were starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, is taking How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book, and Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win. There's a you, there will always be a S-H-W. This is Caprice Coleman, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's right, the amount, the style, the grace, the shape, and the face. Support Bonafide Radio, The Faction. Keep it on, baby. This past weekend was a huge weekend in pro wrestling as NXT presented its latest premium live event. It's called Great American Bash. Now, the Great American Bash, obviously, lots of history connected to this. By the way, I've done a couple of cool videos on this that you can check out on our faction page on Instagram and Facebook. I hope you guys will like that as we talked about the origins of the Great American Bash and perhaps one of the best great American bashes of all time, 1990 Sting versus Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight Championship. NXT now has this brand, and they brought to us the Great American Bash coming to us from Austin, Texas last night. And I've got to tell you something. They really gave us an amazing card. NXT is in a special place right now. Let's run through what happened. And if you indeed missed the show and you don't want any spoilers, you might want to press pause until you finish watching the premium live event. If you've already seen it or you know the result and you want to keep pressing forward, I've got you covered. So there actually was a kickoff show that featured a match. And this match was an eight-person tag match that saw the NXT Heritage Cup champion Nathan Fraser, Dragon Lee, 
Ulisa Leone and Valentina Faraz defeat the team of Meta 4, that being the team of Noam Dar, Oro Mensa, Lash Legend, and Jakara Jackson. The premium live event kicked off with the NXT tag team titles on the line as Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo defeated Gallus to become the new NXT tag team champions. Roxanne Perez defeated Blair Davenport in a weapons wild match. Gable Steveson made his in-ring debut against Baron Corbin, and that match ended in a double countout. In a triple threat match, the NXT North American title was on the line as Dirty Dominic Mysterio gets the win over Wesley and Mustafa Ali. Tiffany Stratton defeated Thea Hale in a submission match to retain the NXT Women's Championship when... Andre Chase, the head of Chase University, threw in the towel for Thea Hale. And in the main event, Carmelo Hayes successfully defended the NXT Championship against Ilya Dragunov in one of the most physical matches we've seen in NXT history. So let me start my recap of this by saying, you know, NXT has gone through a number of different eras from FCW to what we know as NXT to NXT Black and Gold to NXT 2.0. And now they're back to NXT. And I think right now where they are is in that hybrid between 2.0 and Black and Gold. They're also in an interesting space because they have moved away from the NXT TakeOver brand to their PLEs or the premium live events. And I think NXT is on a roll as it is now once again starting to be considered as a third brand. And this premium live event, yeah, it gave you everything. I want to start with the pre-show match because the pre-show match was as perfect of a pre-show match as you can have. And here's what I mean. The design of a pre-show match is to get you pumped and excited and hopefully get a few last-minute buys to get somebody interested to watching the full premium live event this eight person tag did that as it provided the premium live event debut of Ulisa Leone and Valentina Feroz along with Lash Legend and Jakara Jackson this match may have embodied beautifully what this new NXT is all about as you have this mixture of superstars who are brand new to this level of attention mixed with experienced stars like Noam Dar, Dragon Lee, and the NXT Heritage Cup champion Nathan Fraser. This match was fast-paced. It was everything you wanted to see and then some. I advise you to go ahead and check it out. And while we're here, can we acknowledge the growth of Lash Legend? Lash Legend at one point was a part of what many called the worst NXT match in history where she took on Saray and let's just say there was a lot of heavy editing involved. Well, Lash Legend has worked really, really hard to become a much better superstar. And again, she needed time like everybody else does. So shout out to Lash Legend, Jakara Jackson, and everybody involved in this eight-person tag team match. Now then, let's talk about some larger takeaways instead of necessarily going through every match. The only title change to happen here is the NXT Tag Team titles as Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo defeated Gallus. I think this win was 
well-deserved and long-awaited. Many thought that this team would become the tag team champions back at Stand and Deliver during WrestleMania weekend, but I think this was the right move and the right time. For me, the question is, are we ready to bring Gallus up to the main roster to deepen the tag team division there? Personally, I think that move makes a lot of sense. If you'll remember, there's another team that's gone from NXT, and that is the Creed Brothers, who we actually saw backstage not long ago at SmackDown. So could this be the time that, again, we start to see the depth of the tag team division in WWE grow with an experienced team like Gallus potentially joining. Will Gallus stay around NXT to once again fight for the NXT tag titles? Only time will tell, but congratulations to Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stax Lorenzo, a.k.a. The Family. I think we saw something special birth with Roxanne Perez as, again, Roxanne Perez, Blair Davenport, put on a banger, a physical match. And we often don't get to see this kind of brutality on the women's side in NXT. But I will say, as I have said for a long, long time, NXT historically has led the charge relative to the women's division in WWE. No doubt about it. And you could make the argument that the Impact Knockouts division and the NXT Women's division are running neck and neck in terms of what they're presenting. For instance, on this premium live event that had six matches, two of the six matches were women's matches. That's significant compared to any given episode of AEW where you're likely going to have only one women's match on the card. That's another issue. For another day. But with that said, I want to offer great congratulations again to Roxanne Perez for a fantastic match. Speaking of the women's matches, Tiffany Stratton, Thea Hale, a great, great submission match. You know what's interesting to think about? Tiffany Stratton is 24. Thea Hale is 19. The future of the women's division in WWE looks extremely bright. And I think we're starting to get some development here in Chase U in terms of this ultimate divide between Andre Chase and Duke Hudson. So this is all going to get interesting. And I wonder what kind of fallout we'll see from Chase throwing in the towel. One of the other big takeaways from the night being the debut of Gable Stevenson. Now, I will say this. I think, and I think it's safe to say this, that we now understand after watching this match why Gable Stevenson is in NXT and not on Monday Night Raw. It is safe to say that him being drafted to Monday Night Raw a year or two ago might have been a wee bit premature as Gable Stevenson in his first match against Baron Corbin. I'm not sure if he impressed. I will say that I found the post-match activity to be far more engaging than the actual performance in the ring from Gable Stevenson. I'm also interested to see how WWE and NXT will respond to how the crowd responded to Gable Stevenson as many booed him. And it's hard to tell, is that isolated to what happened in Austin, Texas, or will that also carry into NXT in Orlando? Obviously, we'll find that out this Tuesday night. 
for Baron Corbin. It ends up being a great moment for him. New music, new look, and it's clear that Gable Steveson could not defeat Baron Corbin in his debut. Looks like we're going to have a longer running program with these two. I'm not mad at it. And again, let me reiterate, I feel like NXT is the right move for Gable Steveson. Let's not bring him up to Raw or SmackDown too soon. Now, about this main event, I'm going to make a very bold statement here. I believe that Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov is one of the best main events we've seen in an NXT PLE ever since 2.0 was birthed. And it really rivals some of the main events we have seen on a takeover. This was special, folks. It was special. It showcased Carmelo Hayes in a way we've not seen him before. Carmelo Hayes had to really rely on being super tough, super athletic, super physical. This was strong style at its finest, and it was everything. Ilya Dragunov, I can say no wrong about this guy. I loved him in NXT. So physical, so brutal. I'm not sure that this is the end of this particular rivalry because I'd like to see it happen again. I think it'd be downright amazing. Real talk. Amazing premium live event from NXT. And what I'm excited about is their next premium live event is NXT No Mercy. We've not seen No Mercy as a pay-per-view in many, many years from the WWE. NXT grabbing this, I think, is a great ode to these previous premium live events that have great history. Plus, No Mercy was one of the greatest video games WWE ever produced. If you had a chance to play it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to get out of here, but before we do, we have to talk about the brand new documentary from Cody Rhodes. It's called American Nightmare, Becoming Cody Rhodes. It premiered today on Peacock. I had a chance to watch it, and let me tell you guys, it is Amazing. I have always said, and I've said it many times here on this podcast, that nobody tells a story like the WWE. And for a while, I actually felt like their documentaries, their 24s, you know, 365s, those documentaries were better many times than the in-ring content that WWE was producing. Nobody produces a documentary like the WWE. And this one was head and shoulders above anything we've seen in a long time. And if you remember, it's been a minute since we've seen a documentary find its way to the WWE Network on Peacock. This here was something special. And without giving it all away, I will just say this. The WWE tells the full story. The full story. All in. AEW. His time on the indies. All of this gets told, and it's interesting. There were parts of me that were like, didn't we just see a Cody doc? But we didn't. We saw a Dusty doc that told certain stories, obviously, where Cody Rhodes was a big part of this. So I think they got all of this right. I loved every bit of it. Learning about how Stardust came to be, the frustration of Stardust, and if you pay close attention, we get an answer, or at least a perceived answer, to why Cody Rhodes left the thing he created. You got to watch it. I definitely want to have a conversation about this. So let's do that. Hit us up on the socials 
at the Faction Show and let's talk about the Cody Rhodes documentary. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing rest of your day. A full week in all of pro wrestling this week, including, of course, Raw, NXT, Shout out to AEW celebrating 200 episodes of Dynamite this Wednesday. That should be fantastic. Then, of course, on Thursday, you've got Ring of Honor and Impact. Friday, we've got SmackDown, Rampage. And then Saturday is the first head-to-head matchup between a WWE Premium Live event and Collision. And so maybe that is why CM Punk versus Ricky Starks is happening Saturday night because they're going up against SummerSlam. And I think we know how this one could end. But let me ask you, which will you be watching Saturday night live? SummerSlam or Collision? Let us know in the comments. All right, we got to get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing day. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name's Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.